The following content is rated explicit for language in adult situations. So listen with headphones. Or don't. We don't judge. Have you ever wished that your world had more magic? Or that your favorite character had survived? How about a full-length spinoff of your favorite childhood series? Then do we have a podcast for you. Hello, Fire Whiskers. I'm Claire. And I'm Kat. And this is Fire Whiskey and Honey, the podcast about your favorite novel-length Potter fan fiction. The Debt of Time. Each episode, we read a chapter of this story. And try to stay on topic. Which is easier said than done. Without further ado, here's this week's chapter of The Debt of Time. Hello, everybody. Especially... My favorite co-host, Kit Kat. My oldest co-host. I'm just kidding. I'm the oldest. Not by much. Not by much, but I am. And we are, once again, sadly, Sans Hannah Beth, who is my other favorite co-host, but she just hasn't been a co-host for as long. So, it's Christmas, Cat. Yes, it is, Charlie Brown. So, funny story. Uh, Kat's name in my phone is actually Lucy, at least on Messenger, because Lucy has the little psychology booth and Kat's got a doctorate in psychology. No, I don't actually, but thanks. Well, it's a psychology, it's a psychology major. It's organizational and industrial psychology. It's still got the word psychology in it. Other way around, the I comes first. Oh, sure, industrial and organizational psychology. I, I, yes. Mm-hmm. Ooh, perfect. My child fell asleep. Nice timing, kid. Anyway, so, um, hey, hi, Christmas, yes, cat, psychology, life is good. I know where we picked up and left off. Yay! I would hope so, because you are the fearless reader. See what I did there? <laughs> the fearless reader. I love that. I need a. T- Ooh, is that a new t-shirt design? Fearless, fearless reader. reader. <laughs> That's amazing. He's like flames coming off of it. <laughs> no, because then that looks like we're being in what the sixties where they burned books. Like, no, let's <laughs> not do that. Well, I mean, if you're the fearless reader, it means you're reading the books that got burned. We don't believe in banning books here. True, but some people might, like, take that the wrong way. Fair, fair. Alright, so, let's go ahead and get this yawn out of the way. Okay, now that we've dealt with that, uh, what had happened was... Well, basically, the majority of this was basically just like the movie. Like, they were on the train, and... Ron's like, who's that? And Hermione's like, Professor R.J. Lupin. And he's like, she knows everything. And she's like, it's on the suitcase, Ronald. Even though that's not what they said at the dead of time, that's what they said in the movie, and I'm sticking to it. So basically, it was the same scene. And then, like, the Dementor came, and then he gave Harry chocolate. It was like, here, you'll feel better, because chocolate makes everything better. And then there was something with... Neville, because he loses his frog because Neville can't remember. That was previous chapter, I think. Oh, it was? I thought this was that chapter. I thought Neville showed up in this chapter. Um, Whatever. 
Don't think so. Okay, so it was basically the same scene from the movie. So the Dementor came and all of that jazz. And then we kind of cut to um, Remus getting to Hogwarts and then realizing that Hermione is Maya. And he starts freaking out and he kind of confronts Dumbledore and Dumbledore is just like, whatever, bro. Like, he just kind of brushes it off like it's no big deal. And he gets mad at him and then, yeah. Yeah, so we see everything from Remus's point of view. And Remus is freaking out because obviously he knows now that Hermione is Maya and Maya is Hermione. And he knew that from the letter, or not the letter, the, um, well, yes, the letter. And also uh, the pensive, pensive. And so, you know, Remus obviously knew that Harry was going to be there, but he kind of spaced that Harry meant Maya slash Hermione. And so now he's dealing with the fact that it's like, oh, my ex-girlfriend and the woman I lost my virginity to is now 11 and I'm 30. Yikes. Or no, she's 13 and he's 33. There's a 20 year age difference. And so it's just kind of like, huh, yike. <laughs> One single yike. But, uh, so yeah, that, that was basically it. Um, uh, you said one single yike somebody's been listening to the podcast i've been listening to i don't think so i just say that sometimes oh. i've seen it written oh. okay never mind what podcast but i make it scary because they always rate the movie like yikes <laughs> so but so they like i give it three and a half yikes okay you know what in that case i may have picked it up from there also because um, I have listened to that. But anyway, we did get to hear Remus say uh, the famous line, it's my job, my job to keep them safe. And, and you know, my job slash our job does pop up quite a bit in this series. Oh my God, I am so sorry. For everybody I'm making yawn, I really do feel bad. Uh, my child decided to wake up at 6.30 this morning instead of me having to wake him up at 7.30 as per usual, so mm, we gonna fight. But uh, that being said, uh, we do start with a brief author's note. Uh, reference addicts, addicts, not attics, talking about people who are addicted to something, not the top room in a house, uh, should read present prisoner oh my god it's gonna be one of those days guys prisoner of azkaban chapters six seven and eight chapter 104 bogart in the wardrobe Nizel in the forest what uh seeing if you're gonna pick up on the same reference i was lady in the streets but a freak in the sheets Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know why. That just made me think of that. But I, I'm still traumatized for that video I sent you yesterday about the Hogwarts band and it being over a WAP and them sounding almost the same. <laughs> I'm still traumatized from that. Oh, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold, please. Hold like, on. This guy's hold, Harry please. Potter videos are like spot They're on. They're spot I'm on. They're so good. Oh, did I send it to you from the podcast? Because I think I might have found you it. You might have. Was... You might have. Okay. Well, first off, I was looking on Facebook. I was not on Instagram. No, and I now... sent it to you on Instagram because I okay. was on. But you also may have sent it from the podcast. Let me. Yeah, I forgot. Double <laughs> 
follow me, drip down the side of me, get jumped out, but you let it get inside of me, and tell them what I'm with it, never tell them where I'm about to be, I'm right down on the floor, I have a nigga running me, stop your shit, like your bill, ask for a call, why you ride that dick, why you really ain't never got a fucking boy name, you already made his mind up. So yes, uh, the Hogwarts band song happens to align very well with that is WAP, right? Yes. Fucking horrifying, but I also it's, need that it's entire. It's Meg the Stallion's verse, so that's why I was yes. a little bit confused. But then I realized after I listened to it for like the fifth time because I couldn't stop like jamming to it. It's so <laughs> like, like I need the entire song like that. Yeah, I said it to the dark wizard. He's like, the fact that I like this. And I'm like... Yeah, it's... To quote the young people, it slaps. Oh, oh my god, my boss. So I I went to the office once. It wasn't quite a month ago. Actually, fuck, at this point it probably was a month ago. So I went to the office for one day. Because I had to uh, help with like an in-person task. We were... um, doing in-person things it was very exciting but um like putting t-shirts in bags and shipping them to people but anyway um so I actually had to go into the office and I finally met my boss in person for the first time which was hilarious because I've now been working for him for a year um and I'd never actually met him in person but uh we're hanging out and we're talking about you know how the young people talk and he was like yeah apparently like they think that, like, saying a song hits, but, like, hits always been a thing with songs. It's a hit. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Songs slap. And he's like, that's what it is. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, I, I feel I feel good about this. Also, I think he's only, like, two or three years older than me, <laughs> which makes it especially funny. But, oh, cat's face right now. I have never heard that term in my life until you said that because i don't hang out with like children i don't either um so i'm sure many people in the states at least hopefully internationally now have heard about sharon weiss uh blaming marie calendar for her horrifically burned uh pumpkin pie and blaming marie calendar for what can only be described as a pie that apparently was baking for about six days at, you know, 10 million degrees. <laughs> but anyway, uh, there's a group that has turned into a roasting group about this, and it's all in good fun. But uh, somebody asked what yeet meant, and that turned into a whole slew of uh, Gen Xers and older millennials learning the word yeet. And apparently, uh, Gen Z has decided that yeet is no longer cool because now all of these old people know what it means. And the fact that I am included in that list of old people makes me really sad, but it's okay. Wait, it wasn't yeast? No. She was baking, it's yeast. No. The the term yeet, like yeet. When you chuck something. (gasps) Oh! Okay, so when you throw something, it's like yeet, y e e t. So, um, the Lord yeeteth and the Lord yoinketh away. Have I not had this conversation with you? I have no idea what oh, any of this God. means, and oh, I don't care. No. I honestly Dude, don't I care. I love the word yeet, though. It's so much fun. It's just like when you don't like something, you're just like mm, yeet. <laughs> Use real words, people. Okay, no. It no, is B E F O R E, not B and the number four. Okay, well, one, like, that, that was words. us. 
And number two, uh, I don't, I love the people who are like, that slang, speak English. And I'm like, I'm sorry, codswallop, thingamabob, doohickey. All of those, I'm sure, were considered, you know, slang by young people at some point. Todd Waddle? Come on. Yeah, I just, I, I, I can't, I don't care. Like, these kids are, I, I just, I, I just can't wait for the day to see what, like, JD's friends come up with to oh say, and I'm just going to be like, what? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, come Are on. you kidding me? We had the, that's hot. Everything was hot. Yeah, well, that was Paris Hilton's fault. Yes, it was. But um, Chugi is also apparently a thing. I think I'm pronouncing that right. And Chugi is basically, uh, the first time I saw it, I was like, I wonder what this means. And then I looked it up and it was like, uh, it's essentially, it's the new term for basic. And it's like, you like pumpkin spice and gray and white chevron patterns. And you like wearing uh, toms and you still hold on to your skinny jeans and side part. And I'm like, Okay, so me. It's basically me. Thanks. Cool. Great. Yeah, Got that it. is so, so stupid. But again, somebody once thought that codswallop was a great term. Yes, I know that, but I'm sure that has, like, some history. Like, I, when Beyonce came out with that song where she says that surfboard and she grinded on that wood, I was like, why are you, what? So I had to look that up, and then <laughs> I didn't realize what surfboard meant, and I was like... Wow. Okay. <laughs> that that's lovely. It's like the time when we were playing cards against humanity and I had to look up what pixelated whatever the crap was. Bukaki. And I was like I was like, not shouldn't have looked that up, but at least I know now, but My not looking that up again. Dad walked out and saw that card play and goes, What's that mean? To which I replied, Please don't Google it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I regret doing that. I am never looking that up again. <gasps> and one final tangent before we get back to reading. Uh, I ruined Christmas. Oh my god. Yes, <laughs> yes you did. You pulled a jimmy and ruined Christmas. A match made in heaven. It is. But yes, uh, Kat got me a gift and I... She, in my defense, you sent a shot of something referencing it to the podcast group uh, the I did. group chat and yes. i was like oh that's brilliant i should and hannah beth was like oh i already have that and i'm like oh i should get a copy for cat and i should get a copy for me and cat's like you can't do that claire you can't do that claire and i'm like oh because it because it, it's currently under my tree and she's like no it's because it's on back order and it'll be here soon so yay last time i checked it was an opalaka <laughs> Good old Opalaka. You have no idea the journey that I had to do to get these freaking cards. No idea. I found one site that had them, right? I ordered them before Thanksgiving. Before Thanksgiving. They were processing forever. And then I started doing some research. And apparently this site for some people is a scam site because I read some things that said people never got them and some people got them two months later. 
So I called my credit card company and I did the whole process. So I'm getting my money back. Then I went to Instagram and I searched the hashtag Cards Against Muggles. And I found a website in the United Kingdom who sells them. But they only shipped in the UK. So that's why I put on the pod group is anybody in UK can help me. Because I was going to make somebody buy it. And I would pay them back and have them ship them to me. But then I emailed the company and I said, hey, can you work with me? And they were like, funny story. We have an update our website we ship worldwide now because we have hubs in Canada Australia and California so they sent me the California site so that's where I bought it from so they are currently on their way to me oh my god that's amazing It was so stupid. And, like, the ones that I ordered the first time were Cards Against Potter. They weren't even Cards Against Muggles, but they were the best I could find at the time because all of the Muggle cards, when I Googled it, were on, like, sketchy, like, sites. And apparently on Etsy, they sell a digital download where you can cut and make your own, which I did not want to do because I am not that crafty. Mm -mm. Also, I like that you were once again wearing a Christmas sweater. It's a shirt. I can't wear okay. sweaters. Well, in yes, this you climate. can't wear sweaters. It says balls. Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. I love that. I actually have that. Um I have a shirt on that says Plant Lady on my boobs. Also, I just realized I pulled really far away from the mic. It says Plant Lady. Uh and it's got a lady made out of palm trees. But anyway. And Hannah Beth is currently hitting her head against the wall, <laughs> being like, Well, you bitches just read. <laughs> Okay, so we're going to go ahead and read, uh, take advantage of my child's and nap. And Shia's like, really? Oh, we haven't even started yet. Neat. <laughs> <laughs> you read the title and the author's note. That's all you did. <laughs> we're professional podcasters, guys. Uh, Boggart, oh, that's what started it. <laughs> Boggart in the wardrobe, Nizel in the forest. September 2nd, 1993. So, one day later. Oh, God. Oh, this is going to be a bad episode because it just says making his way into the Great Hall. And immediately in my he- head, I just hear, making my way downtown, walking fast. Okay, sorry. <laughs> making his way into the Great Hall and up towards the head table for lunch, Remus was thrilled to see that Severus had decided to eat in his quarters. The potions master had threatened to do so at breakfast this morning, making some sort of comment in regards to animals being allowed to eat at the table. <coughs> oh god oh god ah! I breathed in spit <laughs> Hannah Beth is gonna kill us <laughs> cause last time she's like can you guys not make this 95 minutes long it's gonna be 95 minutes long it doesn't look like it's a long chapter though so Remus took the insults in stride, laughing at most of them himself. He had a job, a warm place to live, and food. Not even Severus Snape could sour his mood. The irritable looks on Harry and Hermione's face, however, certainly caught his attention. His gaze landed on the Gryffindor table, where the pair were sitting beside Ron, who looked positively miserable. One day into classes, and already this stressed, Remus chuckled to himself, though he knew it was a breach of their privacy. His lupine hearing was extra sensitive the day of the full moon, so he heard their entire conversation with ease. Ron, cheer up, Hermione encouraged, pushing a dish of stew toward her friend. You heard what Professor McGonagall said. Harry, Ron said in a low, serious voice, you haven't seen a big black dog anywhere, have you? Yeah, I have, Harry replied. I saw one the night I left the Dursleys. 
Remus's eyes widened, and he knocked over the cup of pumpkin juice that had been sitting in front of him. He briefly looked to the side where Minerva McGonagall was eyeing him carefully. He offered an apologetic smile as he began mopping up the mess with his napkin like a muggle. When that only drew more attention to himself from the other professors, he grimaced and reached for his wand to clean up this spill. Ron continued, Hermione, if Harry's seen a grim, that's... that's bad. My Uncle Billius saw one, and he died twenty-four hours later. Just a coincidence, Hermione said, airily, pouring herself some pumpkin juice. You don't know what you're talking about. Ron huffed, beginning to get angry. Remus watched the boy from the head table carefully, noting his quick change in temperament. Grim scare the living daylights out of most wizards. There you are, then, Hermione pointed out in a superior tone that was all too familiar to Remus. They see the Grim and die of fright. The Grim's not an omen, it's the cause of death. And Harry's still with us, because he's not stupid enough to see one and think, Right, well, I'd better kick the bucket, then. I think divination is absolute rubbish. A lot of guesswork, if you ask me. Remus smiled at the girl's irritation, remembering his own third year at Hogwarts, and an equally annoyed Maya Potter, who had a similar distaste for divination. I saw it myself, Myony. There was a grim in Harry's cup. You didn't seem so confident before, when you were telling Harry it looked like a sheep, Hermione shot back. Professor Trelawney said you didn't have the right aura. You just don't like being bad at something for a change. The boy had clearly touched a nerve, because Hermione slammed a large book down on the table so hard that bits of meat and carrot flew everywhere. If being good at divination means I have to pretend to see death omens in a lump of tea leaves, then I'm not sure I'll be studying it much longer. That lesson was absolute rubbish compared with my arithmancy class. Remus felt a small pang of sympathy sympathy in his chest for the girl as she stormed out of the great hall. His focus turned back to Harry, hoping the boy would follow her, but a part of him understood when Harry did not. He was quickly reminded of times growing up when Maya was fighting with Sirius, and Remus always stuck by his fellow marauders, earning him the silent treatment from the witch. Memories of her and everything he had lost haunted him inside the school, especially with an echo of Maya walking around in the form of Hermione Granger. He sighed while looking down at his plate, realizing that Hogwarts' food did not taste as good when he had to dish it up himself. Excusing himself, Remus made his way out of the hall, passing the tables of students without a second glance. His plan was to return to his quarters to catch up on as much sleep as possible, considering he would soon be heading off to his warded office to wait out the sunrise. Turning the corner to the passage that led to his rooms, Remus caught sight of a head of bushy brown hair sticking out of a nearby alcove. He approached her very quietly, curious when he found her fiddling with a long gold chain round her neck, from which hung a time-turner. He took in a sharp breath and watched Hermione with interest as he remembered the last time he saw Maya. She had been standing right in front of him, with a different time-turner wrapped around her neck, blue sand instead of white, wearing Sirius's old Quidditch jersey and green hot pants instead of a grey pleated skirt with black and crimson student robes. Her hair was made up of long, soft curls instead of bushy locks. Her eyes had been amber instead of the brown he knew they were now. 
Hermione gave the time-turner one sharp turn in her hand, and Remus watched as she vanished from sight. Oh, Merlin, nineteen years, nineteen years without... Remus looked down at the witch, holding back the tears that were building in the corners of his eyes. Without you. A part of him wanted to pull the chain back and vanish the time-turner entirely. How am I supposed to live nineteen years without you? Fourteen. She wrapped her arms around him tightly. Remus, I love you, she mumbled through her sobs. You're my best friend, and I love you. Please take care of him. Remember what I said. Trust Sirius. Always Sirius. I promise, Remus said, holding her as tightly as possible. A part of him wondering if he could just go with her. But no, he had a promise to keep. I'll see you soon, yeah? You'll get your handsome, gray-haired werewolf back. Remus groaned and ran a hand through his graying hair and sighed in frustration. This is going to be the longest year of my life, he muttered, before walking toward his quarters, more eager than ever to sleep the rest of the day away. September 9th, 1993 Remus was running late for the third-year defense lesson. He shut the wardrobe tightly, practically bouncing on the balls of his feet as he made his way to the classroom. He had planned on jumping right into redcaps and hinky-punks, but word reached him that a boggart had been captured in the castle. His eyes had widened, and memories of a lesson with Professor Pruitt came to his mind. He couldn't believe how lucky he was for this to drop straight into his lap. Postponing his original lesson plan, Remus effectively had the Boggart relocated to a wardrobe in an empty staff room and locked it up tightly before rushing down the corridor to his waiting class. He smiled as he entered the classroom, dropping his old briefcase on the desk before turning and seeing all of his students sitting there with open books and quills at the ready. Good afternoon. Everybody put your books away. Today will be a practical lesson. You will only need your wands. He noted that some of the students, Harry and Ron specifically, looked relieved not to need their books or quills, while others, Hermione for instance, appeared mildly put out. He grinned at the sight, making his way down the aisle towards the door. Right then, everyone follow me. He led his class towards the empty staff room where he had secured the boggart, stopping only briefly to send a message of warning to Peeves, who had decided to stop and taunt him a little bit. Walking into the room, he spotted Snape, who looked annoyed to have been interrupted. The surly Slytherin made his way towards the door to leave, stopping to look back and narrow his eyes at one particular student. Possibly no one's warned you, Lupin, but this class contains Neville Longbottom. I'd advise you not to entrust him with anything difficult. Not unless Miss Granger is hissing instructions in his ear. Remus raised his eyebrows and looked at his class. Harry was glaring at Snape. And Neville was scarlet in the face, which told him that this certainly was not the first time that the potions master had called out the boy in front of a crowd. Neville is Frank and Alice's son. Wow, what's he like? Brilliant. When given the chance, she replied in a sweet tone she usually reserved for James. Remus could already tell by how she spoke that Maya thought of uh, that Maya thought of Frank and Alice's boy as family. He's so much like his father; it's amazing. Neville was a very close friend of mine. He was the first person I met on Hogwarts Express. 
He could say he was my first friend. I was actually hoping that Neville would assist me with my lesson. Remus casually stuck his hands in his pockets, keeping a relaxed stance as he verbally faced off with his childhood rival. Granted, Snape was more James and Sirius's rival than his own. Maya's as well, in all reality. And I'm sure he'll be brilliant. Just needs a chance to prove himself. Snape clearly did not like that. He sneered and then stormed out of the room. Remus wondered once again if next month's wolfsbane potion was going to be poisoned. A banging noise came from the locked wardrobe, and some of the students jumped at the sound. There's nothing to worry about. It's just a boggart, he said, and watched their reactions that were mixtures of interest, apprehension, and absolute horror. Boggarts like dark enclosed spaces. Wardrobes, the gap beneath the bed, the cupboards under the sink. I've even met one that had lodged itself inside of a grandfather clock. This one moved in yesterday afternoon, and I asked the headmaster if the staff would leave it to give my third years some practice. So, the first question we must ask ourselves is, what is a boggart? He smiled when a familiar hand rose quickly in the air. It's a shapeshifter, Hermione answered proudly. It can take the shape of whatever it thinks will frighten us most. Couldn't have put it better myself, Remus replied, and grinned when Hermione glowed under his praise. So, the boggart sitting in the darkness within has not yet assumed a form. He doesn't yet know what will frighten the person on the other side of the door. Nobody knows what a boggart looks like when he is alone, but when I let him out, he will immediately become whatever each of us most fears. This means that we have a huge advantage over the boggart before we begin. Have you spotted it, Harry? He asked, purposely trying not to chuckle as he saw Hermione's hand back in the air, waving desperately. Er, because there's so many of us, we won't know what shape it should be? Remus smiled proudly at the boy before turning his attention back to the rest of the class and instructing them on how to use the particular charm to fight off the creature inside the wardrobe. When they all seemed to have it down quite well, he brought Neville to the front of the class and grinned when the boy confessed his deepest fear was Snape. Remus felt determined to rid the young wizard of his phobia. I would like all of you to take a moment now to think of the thing that scares you the most and imagine how you might force it to look comical. He remembered his own lesson back when Professor Pruitt introduced the class to their first bogart, and a part of him began worrying that this was a very bad idea. Certainly there would be typical fears of spiders, rats, and maybe a goblin or two, but Remus was suddenly worried that deep down there might be a few students who, like himself, Sirius, Maya, and James, had darker fears. Already he could see Harry looking uneasy, and guilt settled in his stomach like cement. A glance to the side showed that Hermione appeared nervous as well. Remus had never had the chance to see Maya's boggart, but she informed him in Sirius that it was visions of them, telling her that they hated her, something he could not possibly imagine. Certainly a young Hermione Granger would not have the same fear. It was Harry that worried him. When the boy had mentioned someone screaming when faced with the Dementor, Remus had assumed the voice had uh, to have been Lily's. That thought, paired with an approaching Bogart, had him terrified that Harry's biggest fear would be reliving the death of his parents. It was something Remus could not bring himself to witness. He would certainly have to intervene. 
A giant spider, six feet tall and covered in hair, was advancing on Ron, clicking its pincers menacingly. Ridiculous! Ron bellowed, and the spider's legs vanished. It rolled over and over. Lavender Brown squealed and ran out of its way, and it came to a halt at Harry's feet. He raised his wand, ready, but Remus hurried forward, jumping in front of him. Here! Crack! The legless spider vanished, and in its place a silvery-white orb hung in the air in front of Remus. Ridiculous! Crack! Forward, Neville! Finish him off! Remus shouted, as the boggart landed on the floor as a cockroach. Crack! Snape appeared in front of the room. Neville charged forward, looking determined. Ridiculous! he shouted, and they had a split second's view of Snape in a lacy dress before Neville let out a great ha! of laughter, and the boggart exploded, burst into a thousand tiny wisps of smoke. Excellent, excellent, Neville. Well done, everyone. Let me see. Five points to Gryffindor for every person to tackle the Bogart. Ten for Neville because he did it twice. Five each to Hermione and Harry. But I didn't do anything, Harry said. You and Hermione answered my questions correctly at the start of the class, Harry, Remus said lightly before clearing his throat and turning to the rest of the class. Very well, everyone. An excellent lesson. Kindly read the chapter on Boggarts and summarize it for me. To be handed in on Monday. That'll be all for today. The moment that the door closed behind the last student, Remus pressed his back up against, and, uh, against it and slid to the floor, putting his head in his hands. What the fuck was I thinking? October 16th, 1993. Despite being as thin as he was, Sirius still managed to crack several ribs slipping through the bars of his prison cell as Padfoot. However, that had not been as painful as his leap into the North Sea, nor the miles and miles it took to swim the frigid waters. When he washed ashore, he thought for certain that he would die. At least I'll die a free man, he thought, before he reminded himself that Wormtail, the treacherous rat, was at Hogwarts. Harry was in danger. Sirius could not let himself just up and die when his godson needed him. He rather enjoyed being a dog in Muggle London. Despite his horrid appearance in matted fur, the Muggles were mostly kind and looked upon him with pity. Even if they were horrified by his appearance or thought he was rabid, most were eager to throw him some scraps of food just to get him to go away or to distract him while they ran. By the time he made it to Privet Drive, Sirius had eaten more in one day than he had in the past four months. His stomach actually hurt from being so full. But neither that, nor the broken ribs, nor the frigid waters were as painful as setting eyes on his godson for the first time in twelve years. The boy had stormed out of his aunt and, aunt's and uncle's house, and Sirius could hear Vernon Dursley screaming from inside. He desperately wanted to rush up and bite the tosser in the leg, but Harry was rushing away from the house on foot, dragging a large Hogwarts trunk behind him with an empty owl cage under his arm. Padfoot followed in the shadows, watching carefully as Harry stopped and dug something silvery out of his trunk. He inwardly grinned at the sight of the old familiar invisibility cloak. He wanted to go to Harry, explain everything, but before he could even make a move, the night bus had appeared and whisked the boy away. Sirius spent the next month making his way towards Scotland, stopping here and there to allow muggle cameras to capture his human form, just to distract the Aurors and hopefully lead them in the wrong direction, before he would shift back into Padfoot and return on his journey towards Hogwarts. 
The smells of Hogsmeade were overwhelming, and he wanted nothing more than to rush into Honeydukes and buy out the entire shop. But not only was his image spread across the front page of the Daily Prophet, he also had no access to money. Forcing himself to focus, Padfoot made his way up the road to Hogwarts, where he set up camp at the edge of the Forbidden Forest, watching from a short distance, always on the lookout for the rat. The only diversion from his plans for vengeance had been the night of the full moon. He remained in the Forbidden Forest, watching from a distance as his old friend walked along the grounds wearing, of all ridiculous things, professor's robes. He watched Remus make his way back into the castle where he must have had a room securely warded to spend the full moon because Padfoot kept an eye on the Whomping Willow and never once saw Remus head for it. He stared up at the moon as it rose. Silence followed it, but he knew that somewhere inside Hogwarts Remus was screaming in agony. Padfoot buried his head in his paws and whimpered as feelings of guilt overwhelmed him. How had he made such a mistake? How could he have broken his promise to Maya and not trusted Remus? He'd been a jealous fool, and easily let Wormtail manipulate him through his grief in the aftermath of Maya's disappearance. He should have known better. Sometime, towards the middle of October, Padfoot awoke to something warm and fuzzy sleeping next to him. In the early morning, the light fur was almost a reddish-brown, and he breathed in deep and smelled the rainstorm, but not quite. Instead of the little fox that he had hoped would have been there, uh, was rather a large and incredibly hideous orange cat. Padfoot growled at the creature, but she looked to raise a questioning eyebrow at him, looking bored and completely unthreatened. Sirius shifted into human form and gave the beast a little shove. The cat rolled over onto its back, revealing its large belly. Seriously? Sirius scoffed and rolled his eyes, leaning forward to scratch the little monster. You're part Neasel, aren't you? I was told once that Neasels are incredibly smart and you can recognize an Omegai. Is that true? He inquired, watching as the cat turned his head up and looked at him in a way that strangely conveyed a nod of the head. Holy shit! Sirius gaped at the beast. Did you just... No. I must have actually lost it. He tried to run his fingers through his hair in frustration, only to have them snag on a tangle and yank at his scalp. He winced at the pain and then sighed in defeat, looking back down at the nasal. Say, you wouldn't want to catch a rat for me, would you? The nasal purred in reply. It's a big, ugly one. He's missing a toe on his front paw. Yellow eyes turned to look up at Sirius as though he had said something the little beast understood. You know which rat I'm talking about, don't you? He grinned, the bloodlust rising back to the surface. If you capture that rat and bring it to me, when I'm done killing it, I'll let you eat the whole thing. Oh, okay, I haven't done Sirius's voice in a while, and I wanted it to be extra croaky because he just got out of Azkaban, but man, I forgot how low my voice can go. <laughs> Furball. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> also, my child keeps, like, kind of waking up a little bit, and he just kind of, like, wiggles his butt, and then he goes back to sleep, and it's really funny because he's got a stegosaurus on his butt, so I just see this little, like, dinosaur wiggle. What? The kid's got a little booty.
They're so cute. I like baby butts. They're adorable. I didn't realize how much I like baby butts until I had a baby with a butt. It's really cute. Yeah, until they explode their diaper and you have to clean it Oh up. my god. The one the other day. Oh my god. I don't know how something that small produces that much. I know. I've probably seen those like pictures that people post of their kids where the poop is all up their back. And I'm like, how does that happen? So... The diapers that I get from Sam's Club actually have like a little elasticy thing to prevent that, and it works really well. So since using those, we haven't had any poop up the back. There was one night where I was half asleep, and it was really dark because uh, we were in New Jersey visiting family, and he was rolling around so much as I was trying to get the diaper on him that I was just like, ha, ha. It's like, you know, trying to put a diaper on a fucking cat. So I finally, I just strap it on. And again, I'm half asleep. And I'm just like, all right, buddy, night. And I put him back in bed. And then I picked him up the next morning. And I'm like, how is there pee everywhere? When I finally got the diaper on, little Beans and Frank were outside the diaper. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, uh... <laughs> And Jimmy's just like, how? And I'm like, he was rolling a lot. <laughs> but yes, so uh, my bad. <laughs> so yeah, Sam's Club diapers work right up until you forget to put the necessary bits inside the diaper. Then they don't work so well. <laughs> this is why girls are easier. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe next time. Honestly, I'll be happy either way. Because, like, if it's another boy, I get to keep all the clothes (laughs) and pass them down. And I already know what I'm doing with boys. So, like, there's that. And they can share a room for a fairly good amount of time. So, like, I can keep my guest room for a while. Yeah, but even if you had a girl, doesn't mean she can't wear his clothes. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. Like, the majority of the clothes I have for him are fairly, you know, gender neutral um but like you know there's just i feel like with girls a little girl could wear basically all of his clothes but she can also wear dresses whereas like it does not work from girl to boy like if you have a girl first and then have a boy you have to buy way more clothing because not a lot of girl stuff translates to boys because i feel like there's such a push for everything to have like pink and purple and sparkles and and like rainbows and not that boys can't wear all like rainbows and pink and that kind of stuff but it's just it's so aggressively feminine whereas boy clothes i at least the ones that i have gotten are not as aggressively masculine well it she could end up being like me they always thought i was a boy even when my mom put me in a dress so like it's everyone thinks my son is a girl and it's the eyelashes they're just like, oh, she's so cute. I'm like, yes, he is. Thank you. <laughs> but uh, actually, we were at Publix the other day, and I had him sitting in the little buggy, and I've got like a little buggy cover so that, you know, it covers it up, and so it's like, you know, padded, and it keeps it clean so that he's not touching, you know, the metal. And oh my God, I've been li- living in Tennessee too long. I've started calling shopping carts buggies. Anyway, um, so he's sitting in the front, and, you know, we're going around. We're in the produce aisle. And this couple walks by and she's like, oh, he's so cute. And I'm like, oh, thanks. And he's just like mean mugging her. 
And she's just like, oh, oh, he's serious. And I was like, yeah, he just kind of stares into your souls and make you question every bad decision you've ever made. And she's like, yeah, I see that. And I was like, yeah, that's just my baby. Anyway, so then we go and I'm in the meat department and I'm, you know, shopping ground beef, looking at how lean I want it. And then she walks by again and she's like, man, he just doesn't quit. And I'm like, no, I told you he stares into your soul. And he's just like glaring at this poor woman and her husband. Her husband's just laughing because like she clearly wants to engage with the baby and the baby's just like straight mean mug. And so then we're checking out and I have him like facing so that he can like look out and see everybody and I can unload the cart. And he's just giggling up a storm and he's like smiling at people. And I hear, I know I don't see you smiling at other women when you wouldn't smile at me. (laughs) And it's this woman. And I'm like, it's just because he knows he's about to go home. I'm like, it's not you. I promise. And she's like, are you going to smile at me? And he kind of smiles. And she's like, oh, he can't smile at me. And her husband walks over and he goes, you smiling at my wife. And he just immediately stopped smiling and went back to mean mugging. <laughs> it was it was amazing. It was wonderful. It was very wholesome. But also, yes, I all of my shopping trips take so long because everybody's like, he's so cute. And I'm like, I know. But anyway, we're almost over. Yeah, well, Kenny's nephew doesn't like him. He tries to hold him and he cries. And then one day at the house, I went, I was like, come here, Arnez. And he came to me and he was, he looked at me like, really? <laughs> really? Okay, you're the baby whisperer. Also, yeah, you Yeah, but boobs. also his, the, his cousin's baby daddy is white so she's like she probably just thinks that you're his cousin <laughs> but kenny's like he needs to stop being around so many white people he doesn't understand like they, these black folk are his family he needs to be around more he's around white people too much <laughs> <laughs> and i was just like ha ha he likes me better <laughs> straight up baby whisper <laughs> it's not fair I know, because I don't really give a crap if they cry or be quiet and they can sense the calm because when you're frustrated, they can feel that and then they just get more frustrated because I don't care. It's not mine. I just hand you back to your mommy. I don't care what you do. Yeah, no, I I found that like if he's back when he would struggle to like fall asleep on his own, I before I would walk into his room, I would take like three deep breaths and calm myself down and like put the smile and be like we're okay we're happy he's safe he's fed he's fine he's just struggling he's not doing it to annoy you so i just take a deep breath and i walk in there hey buddy and just like big smile and it really did help because like the times when i just rushed in there i was like what's wrong he was like oh she's upset i should get more upset (laughs) yeah i'm telling you that's the key people yeah. And I don't even have a child and I'm telling you guys had a parent. Read my book coming out next spring. But yeah, no, we've gotten to the point where he can like sit on his own now and then sometimes he falls and we have him on a foam mat, so like he's not getting hurt. But like he just kinda like is surprised and then we just go, Yay And he just has like this big smile. He's like, Yeah, I meant to do that. <laughs> but and so you know if he actually like got hurt because if you go, Yay and he cries anyway it's like oh okay okay you got hurt all right come here buddy let's give you a hug and a kiss and hope you don't have a goose egg (laughs) but no goose eggs yet i'm very excited but uh he is he's quite the little mobile mickey he doesn't have to 
wear that little baby helmet. Uh, that's for flat spots, which he didn't have, thank God. Um, we did keep him on his back when he slept, which is the biggest cause of flatheads. But the American Association of Pe- uh, Pediatricians is thrilled that we have an increase in flat-headed babies because that means more people are putting their babies to sleep on their back and firm surfaces, which means they are sleeping safely. Uh, but then also the helmet. Um, but luckily, little man learned to roll over fairly early and uh, has been sleeping face first in his mattress ever since. And uh, that prevents the flat spot, which is great. And has not flattened Face his Face first. That doesn't sound safe. Yeah, there's my camera. He is dead ass face first in the mattress. Okay. Okay. Dude, it cracks me up. Like, he'll wake up and he'll How have, like... How can he breathe? Uh, so that is why you have babies sleep on infant mattresses. Mattresses. They are extremely firm. So they don't feel very soft and comfortable, but that's on purpose because... A lot of babies sleep with their face smushed in the mattress, and then they can still breathe because it's really firm. Um, plus, uh, firm surfaces help them their startle reflex wake them up, um, which prevents SIDS. So, yay! You learned baby CPR, right? Yes. Okay. And baby Heimlich, all that good stuff. Yeah, because when I redid my CPR certification, the guy has, like, three kids, and he was like... He ran by me eating a chicken nugget and then looks at me like, oh, crap. (laughs) And his kid was choking on the chicken nugget because he was running around eating the chicken nugget. Mm -hmm. And he just like smacked him. And then he's like, that's why you got to learn how to do it because they run around and eat food. Also, fun fact, did not know this until recently. Um, If you are home alone with your child and they start choking, uh... Do CPR or do like the pat on the back to try and get them to stop choking. But if you can run outside first and start screaming for help while you're doing it so that you can do the CPR while somebody else calls 911. Learned that. So keep those babies safe. And this has been Safety for Children with Kat and Claire, the extremely experienced parents of a six month old and no children. We know what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, <laughs> in my defense, I'm a Ravenclaw and I did a lot of research. But anyway, uh, on to the last portion of this chapter. Um, October 31st, 1993. Okay. Um, okay. You, uh, you should. I'm not going to ruin what happens next, but part of this does happen in the movie, so you should recognize part of this. Okay. At least I'm not going to be big mad when this ends. No, no. It's a good ending. I like this ending. October 31st, 1993. Sirius's kneesel friend appeared to be trying to hunt Wormtail, if the complaints from the red-headed boy were anything to go by. Sirius had not seen the owner of the large orange cat yet, but the Weasley boy was always whinging about Hermione and her bloody cat going after poor old Scabbers. Scabbers, a twelve-year-old rat with a missing toe. Despite not capturing Wormtail, the Kneasel had become the only friend. Kneasel? Kneasel? I don't know, because they call nuts knuts. Anyway. Sirius, uh, the 
Sneasel had been the only friend Sirius had for the short time he remained in the Forbidden Forest, sneaking food from the kitchens. Apparently the house elves were more than happy to indulge the whims of an already fat cat, and even once at his request, the little beast sneaked a knife from the great hall, which Sirius pocketed immediately. A bit more observation told him that Ronald Weasley and his pet rat lived in Gryffindor Tower, a tower that would be mostly empty as the third years and above headed down to Hogsmeade that weekend. He waited as long as he could before making his way through a secret entrance near the greenhouses, where he used to go and sneak cigarettes as a teenager. Despite his large size and it being broad daylight, no one noticed Padfoot slipping through the corridors. He growled at the fact that the school was surrounded by Dementors, the occasional oar, an entire staff of professors, and yet he, a supposed murderer, had slipped in completely unnoticed. Dumbledore was pants when it came to security. I love that phrase. Your pants at that. I'm going to start incorporating that more often. It was a wonder that any student made it out of this school alive. Padfoot's eyes widened as he took in the image of billowing black robes and greasy black hair walking down another hallway. Out of curiosity, he followed after the greasy git, slipping into the shadow of an alcove as he watched Snape's taking a smoking goblet into an open door. A black furry ear perked up as he listened in on the conversation inside. Immediately catching Remus's voice, he waited for his old friend to pick up on his scent. When Remus didn't make an appearance, Sirius realized that the horrible smell of what he assumed was Wolfsbane potion must have overpowered any other scents, for which he was grateful. Ah, Severus, thanks very much. Could you leave it here on the desk for me? I was just showing Harry my Grindylo. Fascinating, Snape drawled. You should drink that directly, Lupin. Get... Sirius thought bitterly. Yes, yes, I will, Remus replied. I've made an entire cauldron, Snape continued, if you need more. Thanks very much, Severus. Not at all, Snape said, before, he wa uh, before walking out of the room, causing Padfoot to duck deeper inside the alcove to wait for him to pass by. Professor Snape has very kindly concocted a potion for me, he heard Remus say. I've never been much of a potion brewer, and this one is particularly complex. Pity sugar makes it useless. Sirius could almost grin as he pictured him drinking the nasty potion. There had been plenty of jokes about it growing up. Once, Sirius had borrowed Lily's muggle camera to take still photographs of Remus's face while drinking Wolfsbane. The only other person who found them funny had been James. Maya had thrown the empty goblet at his head over it. While Harry and Remus kept one another occupied, Sirius crept away soundlessly. He refamiliarized himself with the old passageways, evading a few wandering students and silently amusing himself in the moving shadow his body created frightened a pair of snogging teenagers out of an alcove. He waited patiently until the students made their way down to the great hall for dinner before he darted through the corridors and up the staircase until he found himself standing before a very familiar painting. Fuck, the portrait. How had he forgotten about the portrait? Overwhelmed by anger, Sirius shifted into human form and glared at the fat lady just as she opened her eyes. Open. Oh, I don't think so. The fat lady shouted, I remember you, young man, and I know what you've done since leaving this place. 
open, Sirius snarled, his teeth clenched tight. You don't scare me, Sirius Black. Furious and frustrated that a painting was preventing him from enacting his long-deserved revenge, Sirius flipped his wrist to get the hilt of the knife in his hand. He turned his narrowed eyes up at the painting and growled, Run. Rude. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Oh, was that like the part where like she ends up in another painting and says Sirius Black is in the castle? Okay. Yeah. Yep. That would be it. And that's the story. So. Yay. Well. Well, it's Christmas. So, Merry Christmas, Cat. Well, Merry Christmas, you filthy muggles. Oh, wait, wait, wait. wait. Happy Christmas. Because we're reading Harry Potter. There you go. And we'd like to wish an extra special happy holiday wish to all of our patrons. Thank you to our December Foxes, Tyler, Anthony, Tim Tams or Trash, Fight Me, Jade, Tori, Stacy, Carolyn, Camille, Sandra, Leanne, Lynn, Shannon, Nick, Nicole, Crystal, Martina, Crystal, Sierra, Claire, Amber, Kenny, Ryland, Sarah, Jackie, Kaylin, Sarah, Rachel, Chelsea, Matthias Potter, yes, really, Carissa, Muggle Trucker, Amara, April, Olivia, Audrey, Tyler, Maria, Lisa, Johnny, Sarah, Miriam, Frau Holly, and Just Learn Occlumency. Thank you again to all of our patrons, and we would like to wish a happy holiday season to everybody, whether you celebrate celebrated Hanukkah earlier this month, if you celebrate Yule, Saturnalia, Christmas, Kwanzaa, Festivus, Festivus. I'm running out of holidays, but yes, anything that you celebrate around this time of year, happy holidays. If you don't celebrate anything, happy Friday, and we will see you guys, not next, but the following Fire Whiskey Friday. Watcha! Thank you for listening to another episode of Fire, Whiskey, and Honey. A special thank you to Shyalani for allowing us to read your story. And thank you to Blue Ivy Creations for creating our logo and Hannah Beth for editing our episodes. You can find us on Instagram at FWHpod. And on Twitter at FWHpodcast. And on our website, fwhpod.com. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to support and get extra content, please support us on Patreon and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you to those who support us already. We wouldn't be here without you. See you next Fire Whiskey Friday.